This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by our patrons. You're helping us thrive and survive consider becoming a patron and get access to patron only content go to www.patreon.com forward slash missed apex to learn more i'm your host richard spanners ready and i'm joined by matt to rumpets how's it going matt uh fine i'm talking to our video editor right now so apologies for not paying any attention to whatever it was you just did but i'm sure it was excellent and congratulations and racing this weekend yay i'm excited and is this the weekend? I think this is the question. This is the only question I have to ask. Is this the weekend we actually see McLaren burst into flames? No, but this is the weekend where you take control of the Good Ship Missed Apex podcast for a race review for the first time. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, I don't know, but I have a feeling I'm about to find out. You're going to set the podcast on fire, aren't you? Yes, probably. <laughs> I will make it from a motorhome in Cornwall if I can get some internet. That sounds good. But to be fair, of the two of us, you are technically the only one who's actually set the podcast on fire before. That's true. This shed has caught on fire. And this show's about to catch fire because we are joined by rival F1 podcaster, checkered flag host, and BBC F1 commentator, Jack Nichols. How's it going, Jack? All good, all good. I never, I never really thought of you as a, as a rival, Stanners, oh. but fine, we're rivals. Ouch! Oh, that hurts. Oh. Saucer of milk for your... It's not a cat that you've got, is it? It's a puppy. How's your puppy? Uh, it, it's, uh, it's fine. The dog, I presume you're referring to. Yeah, uh, she's, she's good. Eight months old now and has uh, stopped going to the toilet inside, so it's all good. I see you're still confined to the, the same sort of utility cupboard, so you know, you've still lost all the early oh. power struggles in your marriage. It's not a it's not a cupboard. It's a um, 
it's it's my wife's dressing room and uh basically i we've got a bit we've we've got a shed that i'm gonna convert into a shed but i just haven't haven't done it yet it's on the list of things that we were actually just earlier we were just discussing it and saying oh we must get it sorted so in the next couple of weeks or so i'm gonna start working on the shed and then i'll have a shed to rival your shed wow so it's gonna be like a proper jack nichols man cave yeah, exactly. It, we can have a shed off. <laughs> well, for now, I must say your background is very wardrobe-esque, if not yeah. indeed a wardrobe. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a walk-in wardrobe kind of idea is the thing. The point is that you've been shoved into that corner of the house. Now, I must say, of our newly discovered rivalry, out of jealousy, I did, in fact, send a freedom of information request to the BBC to try and get the listenership of checkered flag okay uh, but now but they they said no and they had some legalese so all i can say is that you're above us so it must be more than seven thousand. so well done i think I, I, I honestly i don't know for sure because i feel like this is just a number that said but i think it's about oh i don't even know if this is true but the number i've out. been told is about seventy-five thousand. Wow. or something like matt I can think. you imagine Yes, actually, I can. Totally. We're <laughs> practically there. We're really equal with you once we adjust for relative size. We're, um, we're just one order of magnitude away, Jack, and then we're there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how does the podcasting side of things actually register with you? Because obviously Checkered Flag occupies a podcasting space where it's mainstream media coming into podcasting, and I think that's going to happen more and more. But with Natalie Pinkman doing the superbly titled In the Pink podcast with her kind of Mark Merron WTF type uh, F1 interviews you know is there a room for a Jack Nichols show like F1 jacked up a more personal kind of podcast <laughs> jacked up or anyway there's other alternatives but um uh I don't know I hadn't really thought about it. the checker flag is weird not weird but it's the I think it's the only kind of and this is not meant to have any sort of disrespect <laughs> but it's the only like professional <laughs> podcast <gasps> done from the track that there is you know what i mean like it, like full stop and that's why it has its own because you know the, yeah. the autosport ones for example are good and i like all the people on them but they are journos you know it's not like it's a it's not a really a show if you if you will it's it's a load of journos being nerdy which is brilliant because you want to hear about it and stuff and they're very interesting but it's not a you know it's not a show if you yeah. will um so, yeah, so I think that's why Checker Flag has its sort of unique place because it's people who are at the races talking about having spoken to all the people there, bringing you the insights. So that's why I think it, it kind of works and stands by itself. As for Natalie's thing, I haven't uh, heard it because I, uh, I, well, I haven't heard it. Oh, it's just one of these, you know, if you've heard Mark Maron doing I've heard, these... I've heard of it. I've heard yeah. of it. Don't yeah, no. It it's, it's, I, haven't, I haven't just played it yet. It's quite a very sort of different kind of style. It seems, you know, more like getting in personal with... Obviously, we don't have access to Daniel Ricciardo, but the sort of questions yeah. we'd ask him, how was your life at school, everything like that. So, you know, it, definitely a different space from uh, the pundits talking around a table kind yeah. of thing. But the thing with uh, Checkered Flag is, yeah, it crosses a line almost between the TV broadcasting side of it that like the analysis that you get from sky and channel four but also brings it into that podcasting space that i can listen to in my car yeah and i don't know where i mean obviously podcasting uh uh going over from radio is a natural fit you know the, the preview podcast is just our thursday night show that we do on bbc radio and they just 
make it into a podcast. You know, it's yes. not particularly podcast um, specific. And, and it was one of the first sports podcasts, I believe, because it's going, been going for a good sort of 10 years or so. Um, kind of in that first wave of podcasting being popular. And now the BBC are obsessed with podcasts and you've got the rugby podcast and the cricket podcast and the boxing podcast and it's all podcast crazy. But the Checker Flag was one of the was one of the first ones. I think I wasn't involved in it. I, I don't know how it came about, but here we are. No, I mean, it's it's a nice space and, and people unfortunately are starting to realise that that is the kind of format, that kind of on-demand audio where you want when you want on what device you want is is yeah. very popular and appealing um but you did do a personal formula e podcast at one point uh yes well it was well it was it was for formula e um uh the official ah, formula e it, it wasn't a Nichols production mm, yeah i i sort of did i wrote the theme tune sang the theme tune you know that <laughs> that kind of that kind of thing um and i might do one for rome i don't know it's all a bit up in the air really and we're we're also trying to start one um i don't know if this is secret news actually but anyway I'm gonna no no it. it'll we're be fine it's not secret at all and there's nobody yeah, exactly. here i don't know well today i spent i spent the afternoon with um with john watson and we're gonna do a we're trying to do a podcast just me and john chatting crap uh which we did today and i think it's gonna get turned into a podcast in theory and we'll see whether people listen to it or not. That's the sort of theory. I think if you take any experienced F1 commentators, just sit them in a room, preferably with a pint, and hit record, yeah. that's probably content there, isn't it? Well, that's kind of that's kind of the theory. Because, what you know, I love what he's pieces. Uh, came to my wedding, you know, we're, we're met. But if you have him on during a Grand Prix, you want to be talking about the Grand Prix, and he starts talking about, you know, I, it's brilliant. The South Africa boycott of nineteen seventy-seven or whenever it was, and you go, "This is great and really interesting," but this is literally not the time. Uh, so, I think the you know the podcasting space might be a good vehicle for for basically him to ramble. Well, yeah, because if there was a test match special equivalent in Formula One, you would sign you know him up straight away, wouldn't you? Exactly. He's our he's our. Jeffrey Boycott, I suppose, in you know, and uh, and when we 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 thought about well, not thought about, but uh, you know, there were there were there was a chance of getting him on Five Live this year for the commentary, but then obviously uh, Jolian Palmer became available, and he's a little bit more relevant than Wally, just a t- just a tiny bit more. I hope just you didn't say that to John. I hope you didn't say that relevant. to John himself. But uh, yes, yeah. uh, well, unfortunately, you've made a, a crucial error in telling mm-hmm. us about that because as we speak now, the chat room is setting about scuppering your plan and trying to get in a, a rival offer uh, to John as we speak. But don't worry <laughs> about any of that. Focus on me. Uh, yeah, look, yeah. look at the circle. Look at the circle. Not what's around the circle. Uh, see, I can do really old comedy references as well. Uh, but but going to Julian Palmer, uh, Jolian Palmer, I beg your pardon. Uh, that has been some of a revelation and definitely cheating on a podcast to get a an experienced current nearly f1 driver on uh, no one can compete with that and uh, kind of in contrast to what a lot of people thought about him when he was under pressure at Renault, he's he's funny he's insightful he's articulate uh, and he's really interesting to listen to well I'm, gl- I'm glad you think so obviously there was a lot of uh i think he'd be the first to <laughs> yes. say that his time in f1 wasn't you know perfect you know i i think i think that's uh, you know he'd happily sort of um admit that uh there weren't any sort of seats available for for next year i think you know he tried a couple of plates but you know williams only want 
a load of money um yes, and so he's ended up with us and it's and, it, and it's you know and it's uh great for us and i my first ever commentary my first ever live commentary was on the telly for the old fia formula two championship back in 2011 and jolian was my co-commentator then and he was he was he was no worse than i was i mean it was both of our first commentaries and uh and now we're doing it together here and i sort of knew he'd be good because i'd heard him on doing gp2 over the last couple of years and sort of knew him as a as a sort of matey person so i knew he'd be good and uh, and he's turned out to be good obviously he gets a lot of hate on Does twitter he? and i'm sure the chat rooms are lighting up now with um oh let's hope he's good at commentating because he's bad at driving and all that kind of crap but you know he is good at commentating i, I think to be honest it's hard to listen to him on checkered flag Matt, and and say anything other than he has done a fine job and i think certainly in our communities our slack groups our facebook group uh, it's been nothing but positivity yes well and even in the comment even in the comments they're delighted for example that you chose him over say erickson for example uh, but, you know, I, I, I do have a question because, uh, as you know, you can only judge someone by how they do against their teammates. So I, I'm curious, you have worked with Alan McNish and now you're working with Julian Palmer. And does he complain as much about the messiness of your side of the booth as McNish did? Um, well, we've only we've only done one race and um <laughs> I'll take that for a yes. Then. <laughs> no, you know, you know what? No, he, he had. But we haven't. It wasn't a. It's a very good point. Actually. I think we'll have to tweet him. He, he hasn't, tweet he hasn't him. mentioned it. He hasn't. But we're both we're both twenty seven. So it's not like we've got this old man, um, you know, tidiness problem yet. <laughs> well, so you're saying it's a bit like the Australia the race in that it's really just not fair to judge because it's such a one off. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. When we get to Bahrain, maybe things will be a little. You know, you're still finding your feet. You're constantly tired. Um, you know, you're not going to get stroppy because someone's left a diet coke can lying around hopefully that's an oddly specific example <laughs> i think i think that that's a well no, that's, that's what it's just empty cans of pop mainly is that but mcnish just um hates me in general the other <laughs> week in formula e he, he locked in formula e there's group catering and we were going in for lunch and he went in the door before me didn't even know he saw me coming but he turned around and he locked the door and he and he just wouldn't let me in and i was banging on the window and he's there going oh, okay uh, for the audio only listeners oh, yeah. jack made a rude gesture uh, a hand gesture commonly acknowledged to say uh all the horse you came in on uh but isn't it a shame uh obviously j- just talking about him saying you know the funding required at williams was massive i don't think it's a secret the kind of funding that Jolian had and and the sort of figures are, are reasonably well publicized to think that Williams would have looked at that and kind of gone oh no 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 that's not enough we need like Russian billionaire oil money uh is is incredible but isn't it a shame now that we've seen what Jolian is like in front of a mic in a relaxed atmosphere it's a shame they can't be like that and they can't be themselves in that f1 bubble yes I think um I think obviously with the with the money element that you mentioned i think he was always you know almost from the off of you know he very much had the had the dad thing from the off i think it's fair to say in the same way that um you know maybe maybe the opposite way to to well i guess damon hill must have you know had it and and or, you know hugely oh you're only there because your dad is blah 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 
you know, the fact is Jolien won. I'm not sitting here and saying he's the best Formula One <laughs> no, driver no, no, the world no, no, has no. ever seen because yeah. he will he will not say that. Um, he will say, yeah, I was a you know couple of tenths off Hulkenberg last year, and yes, it seemed bigger at times, but let's not get bogged down into into those things because that's not for for me to say. But this is the guy who, in the rain in Singapore, stuck it up the inside of Bottas at turn one on a on a safety car start. You know that is not an incompetent. <laughs> driver you know so um but and, and i agree about the person but you see that with with vettel you remember when vettel came into formula one everybody loved him he was doing all the monty python gags and you loved him now it's got serious he's everyone now thinks he's a bit of a whinger he's a moaner and and people don't really like him now and i think that's just when the pressure comes you see there aren't many people who are even daniel ricardo didn't smile after Monaco 20, what was it, 16 with the with the pit yep. stops and the, and they left the wheel behind and all of that, you know, even Daniel Ricciardo didn't smile. Yeah, no, and there's the thing, I mean, there's pay drivers and then there's pay drivers. I think just, I think it's acknowledged now everybody needs funding at some level. I mean, well, even... Well, yeah. bringing money as well. I don't know yeah. how much at all, but, you know, he's all the good, the goodwill story of the paddock. Oh, great, Robert Kubica, everyone loves Robert Kubica. Blah blah blah. I mean, I'm not totally signed up to that uh, nope. bandwagon personally, but he's only there because he's bringing money. So, yeah, right, Matt. We've completely yeah. been flying past the chat room. Uh, obviously, they've got lots of things to say to Jack. How are they getting on? Well, mostly they think he is uh, <clears throat> burned you rather significantly here in the early part of the race. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he took he he. He took my shed apart. He said, you know, basically said, I'm coming at I'm coming at you for your shed title. Uh, he nothinged our podcast, created a rivalry out of nothing that I will now have to fight till my dying day. That's right. Yeah. And, I mean, and, and we, we have to be fair. We have been on the air almost as long as a checkered flag. If you're looking at geological time. Wow. <laughs> when did you start this podcast? Oh, well, me and Matt had several other iterations that no longer get spoken of, but we've been podcasting about F1 since about what, 2013, Matt? 2014? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you know, okay, this, I think this is the difference between podcasters and people who have done podcasting through other things is that Matt and I have frequently done podcasts to 30 people, some of whom listened on purpose. Uh, and that, that's kind of the <laughs> lot of the podcaster. Uh, anyway, so if the, the chat room has nothing more to add, uh, why don't we just sort of move on a little bit? Because I was quite interested to find out, out of Jolian Palmer and Jenny Gal, who who would you say is your favourite? And would you have to say it's Jenny because she's frankly seems quite frightening? Obviously, she's very talented. She knows exactly what she's doing. But have you ever caught those little moments where it's clear that somebody's gotten under her skin and she seems to have just... And you go, oh, oh, I wouldn't want to... I'm never going to cross Jenny Gow. Well, she and she and Jolien had a bit of a run in last year. I can't remember where it was. Um, oh yeah. Ooh. Do you remember that little clip <laughs> of, of she says, "Oh, how do you not focus on all the negative things?" And you go, "Oh, by not doing BBC interviews," was his comeback or something like that. Um, I would say. I mean, I would. Uh, Jenny has been my friend for a long time. She got me into. Uh, not into Five Live. It's not like thanks to her, but she sort of put me forward when they were looking for someone. And um, she came to my wedding and I've met her baby. So I don't know. I'd have to say Jenny Gow because I've, I've, <laughs> I socialise with her outside of work, whereas I uh, have not socialised with Jolien outside of 
work. So it's, there we go. That, I think that's a fairly clear, actually, distinction of who is the... No, you know. I, do I tell you what it is? That men, especially as we get into our late 20s, early 30s, we become increasingly bad at making friends. So when you were talking about Jolien earlier, you said he's sort of my matey, sort of friendly on a good, you know, your friend. You could have just said your friend, but we're really bad as men, especially married men, of just going, do you know what? We're friends now. No, but do you know what? We probably aren't. If we're being brutal, like I have his number <laughs> and I WhatsApp him about work things on occasion. But that's sort of that's sort of it. You know what I mean? Like we get along and <laughs> it's fine, but I don't think we've crossed the I don't think we've crossed the friend the the friend. What would boundary. it take? What would it take? Would it take a couple of out of hours beers? I think that's what it would take, Matt. So you've been work zoned then. Ooh. Well, uh it's yeah, I suppose so. But for the moment, it's only we've only had one race, guys. Come on, jeez. <laughs> Uh, come on! Why are you putting pressure on me to make friends? It's like my mum. If we had an F1 driver on this show, he would be my best friend after one show. No, that is a challenge I'll accept. That's clingy. It it is a bit, but uh, you know, wait till you see what you've got waiting at your front door after the show when the doorbell rings, uh, and then and then we'll talk about clingy. Uh, but, but speaking about the pressure and how do you deal with negativity? Um, definitely, obviously, in the Formula One sphere, you absolutely count as a celebrity. When you tweet things, people respond to them. Um, how do you deal with any little bits of negativity? Because Miss Apex, actually, it gets a fair bit of traffic. We get quite a lot of emails, most of them very positive, but it really does only take one guy to go, you're a Wally. What do you think you're doing? And you go, oh my God. I'm, he's right. I'm just terrible. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it goes either way. The first time you read something negative, you're like, yeah, you you break down and cry. <laughs> and uh, I had a horrible time doing the Winter Olympics because they, at the last minute, asked me to do freestyle snowboarding. Your speciality. I in my life. <laughs> and I'm watching these guys do the half pipe and, or the slope star and going, is that a triple cork? 10 1280 cab or something something like that i can't i don't even and i got a lot of i turned off my twitter for a month because i got so much abuse really uh, yeah yeah so that was really bad and then some guy found my personal email address and then started sending abuse on that and everything which is quite amusing uh now yeah. then it wasn't but in but but that hurt because people were going you haven't got a clue what you're talking about you're an idiot and you're like yes you're, no idea <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So that, you do that when they heard me. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But when people go, oh, you don't know what you're talking about with F1. Firstly, I don't really opinionate too much, I don't think. Um, and uh, secondly, I, I'm sort of moderately, I know I am have half a clue about most elements of it. So you can kind of let it go. I mean, people, I mean, people you know, hate that I shout all the time. I get it a lot in... Formula E because we're broadcast in the States and it's me and Bob Varsha and Dario and Bob's, oh. you know, really cool and American and, you oh. know, all of that. And, uh, you know, but it's, but we have a different style, let's say me and Bob, Bob, like, Americans like Bob, they really hate me. I mean, we, we have our own version of you. We have um, Jake Sanson, who does some of the BTCC yeah. stuff, gets really, really excited and shouty. But you, you do it at the right time, to be fair. It's not like well, you're no, just that, constantly that is, like that. And that is what I think people, without wanting to get too self-indulgent, I think that's what people like about me as well, is the excitement and the thing. And especially with Formula E, if you haven't got any noise, you kind of got to make the noise, uh, which is kind of how I see my 
role. But um, yeah, so some people, and if people hate what I do, then uh, then that then that's just like oh well. Sometimes you get really interested. So I got um, an email saying that said absolutely about fifty times in the title of the email, just absolutely, 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 absolutely. And the message of the email was, do you say this word too much? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then, and that was it. No regard. And I listened back and I, I say it all the time, yeah. all the time. A- and it alerts you to it and you go, oh yeah, I do say that all the time. And so I've tried to sort of say it less. So sometimes it's kind of useful. Yeah, but your your director should really be giving you the hint about that. I, I I I when I was on with with Bradley when you burned your shed down, um, and I edited the podcast. Hang on, can I, I just, just correct that, Matt? I burnt my house down. Oh, your house. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was the time you burned your house down. Yeah. My apologies. <laughs> there have been many uh, fires, Jack. Yeah, yeah. It, we we don't want to get into that too much. Um, but I discovered that I said the word excellent way more than any single human being should. Yeah. <laughs> moving the conversation on, excellent. Well, what about this? Yeah, I, I spent hours editing that stupid word out of out of every other sentence that I uttered. But I have to ask, I mean, you've worked with Bob Barsha and, and I won't say that Bob and Dario are possibly people that we would also like to talk to. But I actually started watching Formula One with him. So so just tell me, like, what is it like to work with him? What is he really like? And does he hate you for good reason or just because he hates everything that's not uh, American? He no he he I don't think Bob hates me. I don't think Bob hates me. Um people that like think... Bob hate him is what Jack was saying earlier. Not not Bob personally. Uh, oh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Bob doesn't hate me. It's it's people who like Bob by default yeah. hate me because it's... I'm because I'm doing the total opposite of what Right. No, no, Bob... that I totally get. Yeah. See see Jack, yeah. uh, let me just sympathize with you there because a lot of Joe Saywood's uh fans the auto ex autosport gp plus magazine uh journalist that comes on here quite a lot he has a big following his following think i'm a wally and actively call me a wally my wife listened to the interviews for the first time and joe's very serious and uh regal and st- and he she watched that and she said i can completely see why his fans would think you're yeah. a wally so i think sort of a similar and i think there is i think there is pride in having joe saywood's fans think you're a wally oh Fair Uh-oh. enough. <laughs> match. I like Joe. I like I like Joe as a as a as a human person. He's a lot of fun and very amusing and interesting. But I but but he is drastically uh you know I have drastically different views about some things. Okay, so since we've talked a lot about what it's like to work with Bob. Oh yeah, sorry, I didn't even answer you. He's amazing, by the way. He's he's lovely and he's He's friendly and he's wonderful and he's and he's just got such a when they first brought him in, I was a bit offended because, you know, like I'm the commentator here. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then the first thing he does, like, I think it was in a, a race in Long Beach and you get on the shores of the Pacific Ocean lies the long and you just go, yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> you know, that is not- uh, yeah, no fair game. Quit. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all yours. Um, we do have a question from the chat room. Um referring back to Jenny Gao and that she goes on fighting talk all the time. And the chat room would very much like to know if you would ever do such a thing. Well, I've often, I, uh, sorry, what is fighting talk? Oh, fighting talk is a, um, five live BBC show that happens about 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning, something like that. And it's like a comedy panel show about sport, basically. Um, I've never, 
I know, I know, uh, I, 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 I'm, again, this awkward, but I'm sort of mates, possibly approaching friends <laughs> with the guy who does fighting talk. Well, I mean, that's, that's a very different zone from you and Jolian. I mean, that's nearly possibly I know, I know. friends. Well, it, it, well, we spent a month together doing the Winter Olympics, and he used to actually um, run the Formula One operation uh, before the people who do. So same company that do it now, um, but he used to be a part of that company. And uh, he basically used to be Jason Swale's uh, boss when Jason was producing it, blah, blah, blah. So I know him quite well. And I've often thought about saying, could I come on it? But I think, but it's a bit, I feel very uncomfortable asking to be on things because it just feels a bit, oh, I, I don't want to, oh, I'm important enough to be on fighting talk. Could I be on fighting talk? I'm not important enough to be on fight. And also you don't get other, com- I don't, I've never heard a commentator on fighting talk i think that's the thing you don't get john murray or um you know people like that you you do get the pundits or the, or the presenters but i don't think you know the, Jack, the, 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 I, the I think i think here just a bit of amateur psychology i think you might be suffering from imposter syndrome like do you do you not see yourself as like a proper tv radio personality because i think everyone else does well then uh i i, I it's something I struggle with. I mean, I don't want to get all, um, uh, what's the word? Like this is some kind of therapy session, but I, I sort of struggle with that in the, in the paddock in, in general, Yeah. in, in Formula E, it's a bit easier because you kind of go, you know what? I am actually the, the commentator. So people might actually want to talk to me, but if, but if you go in and you say, I don't know, I love, and I'm very proud to work with the BBC and five, Love, but I do have an issue with going up to people go, Oh, oh hi, I'm, I'm uh I'm Jack Nick I hate I hate saying my own name on air like I, I hate it I have to do it at the start of every yeah. show and it's just the most awkward thing I'm Jack Nichols who who gives it no one only my mum <laughs> tunes in because it's yeah. me no one else gives a flying fandango thank you about who I am if I go oh it's Jolie and Palmer oh it's Jolie oh, oh it's Alan McNish oh it's Alan oh it's Dario Franchitti oh it's Alan, but no one cares who I am so that's why I'm not going to go. Oh, I want to be on Fighting Talk, please. Fascinating. Okay. No, I think I think Matt will just have to settle for Missed Apex then. Yeah, I think that's fine. And I've made a mistake in, in the musical world. There's a famous joke about conductors, which is never look at the trombone section because you'll only encourage them. Yes. Well, I may have encouraged the chat room to come up with some questions for you, <laughs> and 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 that that might have been a mistake because. Boy, do they have lots of questions for you. Some of them even related to racing. Well, tell you wow. what, let's hold it because I've got one just relevant to what we've just been talking about. Since Jack won't acknowledge himself as a grown-up commentator, this is definitely imposter syndrome. Uh, you're walking around there going, yes, yeah, but surely you have to separate the Jack Nichols of old and then Jack Nichols radio personality and paddock personality. Oh. So then who, who would you say is the best commentator sort of in living memory who's who's the guys you go with? those are the most sport commentators that have nailed it for me uh, to, uh it's ben edwards for me really that's yeah that um yeah and i think um i think he uh yeah i mean for me this is not saying he does a bad job now because i still uh love him to pieces but um the sort of touring car era of the sort of mid 2000s i mean to me that was that was peak it was like Murray Walker, but with some knowledge. Of, and obviously Murray's a legend. No, 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 that's fair. That is fair. You, you watch it back and he just says the order over and over again, which is how 
broadcasting used to be and it's more Bob Vartry and you can get into whole conversations about football because I remember that um, Barry Davis, I think, quit match of the day because he thought commentators were talking too much and being encouraged to talk too much. And obviously it's different on radio because you'd have to talk all the time because otherwise it's boring. But I think I think that is you're not paid by the word, which is something I always try and remember when I commentate. But anyway, Ben Edwards for me is the is the is the is the, the everything. That, that's fascinating because I mean in the in the olden days, if you like, the traditional setup is you'd have a caller who would call the race as they saw it. And I think in football, you would have, you know, the John Motson as well, the caller. Literally, they mm. used to do it on the times where they would separate the 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 uh, the pitch out into grid squares. And they would say, yeah. yeah, he's kicked it back to square one. Now it's gone to square three. Um, whereas now it's sort of quite more of an easier conversational style. Because uh, obviously with you and Jolien, you'd be the caller, yet you're mm. very conversational. Yes, I think um, obviously the the the... I think I think that really came to be fair I think that that whole test match special feel was brought into F1 I would say by Crofty and Ant on the BBC red button uh in 2009 where when when free practice was on you could watch it with Crofty and Ant and they'd talk about sausages and and you know all of that and I loved I loved all of that absolutely uh lap that up i'd watch all three i'd watch the races synced up to nothing against uh leggy because I, I i love the man but um i'd watch it with crofty and ants commentary you know so but wait a minute that this was you last time you were sort of questioning almost the validity of the free practice session commentaries but for us listening to you at work on a friday that's exactly why nah, we nah, listen and i think and i think i said that and i think i mm. said that is that that used to be me lapping it up but now it's um I think it's just I think it's just really difficult. I think it's the most difficult thing I have to commentate on is the free practice sessions. After free practice one in Melbourne, Jolian turned to me and he went and he's commentated on races before, but never practice. And he turned to me like, that was so boring. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, Nothing happens in free practice. What are we going to talk about <laughs> when they're doing their long runs? And he's yeah. like, no, I know. Welcome to. My life, every or our life now, every our life together, me and Jolie and friends forever. But um, finally, you know, what that, that's my that's my every Friday, you know, thinking, right, what are we going to talk about? And that's why I'm so grateful for all the you know interactions we get on the on the Twitter and and all of that. But um, it's tough doing the, the free practices, really tough. So M. Hilmi Fauzi there in the chat room is saying F1 practice is like listening to a podcast. You're basically doing a. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, yeah, basically like a live podcast. And I tell you what, there's yeah. a question there as well. Um, quite a generic one. I know, uh, we're running, uh, short on time with you, Jack, and I can't find it. It's from you, American, basically saying, you know, what would you do if you were in charge? If Liberty put you in charge of Formula One, uh, how would you run it? What are the changes you'd make? But also just an extension. The question I had down to ask you was the BBC stop covering Formula One tomorrow and you have your pick of motorsport media jobs. Where does Jack Nichols go? So you, you choose which order to tackle those in, Jack. Well, I don't think I'd too, do stuff too dissimilarly to to Liberty at the moment. I think they're getting a lot of unnecessary stick and people don't seem to have... Um, and I'm not like all for them or, or, or defending them at all, but they're, oh, oh, the theme tune's rubbish. Blah, blah, blah. And then they watch it in the context of how it's meant to be and you go, actually, that was quite cool. Yeah. And then... And what, what what was the other thing? 
Grid, well, let's not get bogged down in grid girls. But, no, you know, Jack, now... give us your detailed opinion on grid girls and modelling as a whole. Because what could go wrong with that? <laughs> no, let's move I on. Am... We don't want a side podcast moment here. Exactly. I'm, I'm massively against grid girls uh, in, in all forms. So there we go. Um, it's like the mascot, right? Oh, we don't need a mascot. Oh, we don't need a mascot. Say all the 35-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old men. Yeah. Well, do you not think maybe it's not for you? Maybe no one is going to make you have a mascot. You know, do you not think maybe it's to get kids involved? Like when I go to watch Wolves games and they have the, the wolf dressed up in his, you know, in his big hat and dressed up like a wolf you know what i mean like a mascot and all the kids want their photos taken with do you not think yeah. maybe it's like that it's not for 50 year old men to get oh let's get a poster of axel on the wall it's not for you do you know what i mean it's like saying they're gonna oh if liberty were to say we're gonna put creches in f1 or well, i'm not gonna go in the crash yeah. well no of course you're not yeah, it's not for you it's not for you do you remember how upset everyone got about the um artificial sparks when they put the, the fake bits at the bottom oh. of the car to make it spark. But my son, who was six They're at the time... They're not as the olden days sparks. <laughs> but my sparks son... Who's... better in the 70s. My son yeah. instantly saw that and just went, whoa! And it made him sit down and watch the, the F1. Yeah. So it was hard it to argue with it. whoa. And you know, they've they never... What, I mean, artificial sparks. Like, what do you... Like, what do these people even talk like? <laughs> what, how is that different to real sparks? What are real sparks then? Real sparks are when... Some other metal hits the floor. What? They grow on trees. They're natural organic sparks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it is the funny. People talk about uh, yeah artificial things in Formula One where it, it's a mechanical sport where things are literally as we deem them to be. Uh, so you know how you get excited, Jack? You know how you get quite excited when you're commentating and talking about uh, old men objecting to things like you did? <laughs> did you remember just now when that happened? Uh, you also, we see on your Twitter that you are addicted to going to non-league football. I too suffered from that. I used to go and watch Colchester United at Leia Road in the 90s, trying to get out of the conference. Seems to me like you've got quite a thing for the underdog. So do you, do you find yourself cheering on Sauber? Um, not Sauber, I wouldn't say. Um, I have a, yeah, I have a thing for the, well, I don't have a thing for the underdogs. I think I have the thing for the unexpected because to me that's what sport is about really and that you know and that's why you know even if you i don't know anything about the nfl or american football but i happen to be in um in saint paul when the minnesota vikings minneapolis vikings i don't whatever we're in that we're in that Minnesota. Yeah, you got yeah, it. They were in that semi-final, some playoff. And then if they won, they got to the Super Bowl in yep. their own town. And they'd never been to the Super Bowl in a hundred years or whatever. Yeah. And I didn't know any of what it was actually. But I wanted them to win because they're the underdogs. And I'm, and they and they scored the first of the things. Yep. But then the yep. other team scored Very more of the things. Some time. And then. So they lost. And there you go. But it, But that, you know, that's what you don't want to see the favorites win like what's the like so so your answer to the question jack was what's going to happen and then what you 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I think it's going to happen, happens. I mean, where's the, like, literally, go home. So your answer to the question was yes. Yes, you do have quite a thing for the underdogs. Yes, not... <laughs> Uh, sorry, should I have just said yes? Yeah, yes. yeah, no, in future. Yeah, brevity, please. Well, it's all about you me. Know, and, and, and we've had, boy, boy, are we busy with the questions. We've had questions about Dario. We've had questions about how you prepare for your race day. And uh, especially we weird ones? what you uh, think. Uh, We're a family show. Yeah, we, we, we uh, oh, a uh, big one about if, if Liberty do change the engine rules, if you think Ferrari really will go. So people really do despite your obvious imposter syndrome not that i'm an official diagnoser of such thing uh people are really genuinely interested in 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 your insight into these issues well uh thank you uh for for being interested for uh for our, just a quick ferrari wise uh, i don't know i've given up i've sort of <laughs> given up caring because if they will they will if they won't they you know what i mean like i don't honestly i don't think they will because what have they got? You know, Ferrari exists to go motor racing, to sell cars. That is literally the business model. Enzo Ferrari literally started making cars so he could sell the cars and make the money and then build racing cars from that money. So I, I don't see that happening. Also, if I were to, again, and just quickly back to the question I never answered about what I would do if I were Liberty. I think what they're doing is there's nothing they can do to improve the racing over the short term um, because these are the cars that we've got because everyone wanted to, everyone wanted them to go faster. Um, so we'll have to wait until 2021 really to know whether what they're doing is actually, I just like proper tracks. That's my biggest thing is 
tracks with gravel traps and and walls. That's my that's my big high horse, I suppose. So you don't want loads of runoff area. You want a mistake to mean properly beached or in a wall. This is the point. It's like it's like it's like um, you know you watch tennis. It's like them extending the court. So then your mistake doesn't matter if you hit it long. It doesn't actually matter. You can keep playing. That's not the point. The, you know, sport is based on fine margins and there are no fine margins. Well, not there are no fine margins. It's a stupid thing to say. But, you know, when Verstappen spun at, Verstappen yeah. spun in Melbourne, he on another track, he could have not spun. He could have just gone, oh, taking a bit too much speed in, straight over the runoff area. But, he, but you can't go on the grass. So he spins the car. I mean, that's a very simplistic analysis of it. I totally accept. But people going in the gravel at turn three because they made a mistake, not just going over the runoff area and carrying on. It's just that's what sport is about. It's about mis- yeah. sport is always more about mistakes. It's about who makes the least mistakes. So the mistakes have to count. Otherwise, it's pointless. Yeah, I think I have something sympathy with that. I didn't ever like the gravel traps, meaning the end of the race. So some small mistake meant they innocuously went onto the gravel and just spun their wheels. But it does seem like there's an easy compromise somewhere where you have runoff area for safety, but then you have a large area of low traction where it's significantly less desirable to be. Something like that, you know, like a like yeah. a nice grass runoff and then a concrete runoff for safety. Yeah, I agreed. Yeah. Good. No. Well. Matt, that's, you're going to agree with us as well, presumably. I, I am going to agree with you. The punishment needs to be proportionate to the crime, as we like to say. But I do I do have a question um, about the Halo. It has finally been run in an actual race. And we would like to know if you've heard anything from the drivers that they weren't willing to say on television. And that, you don't you have to say which them. driver was. <laughs> but, but, you know, people will have their official, I'm a member of the team and... Uh, I support safety, and yes, of course, I don't want to die racing cars. But I- I'm curious if you've heard anything uh, around the back of the paddock, so to speak, you know, behind the motorhome. Yeah, what did uh, Magnuson uh, say? Really working or not working for the drivers? I think. Uh oh, I broke the internet. You broke nickels. Oh, broke- it takes ages to get another nickels. Yes, that's an IT crowd reference for those of you who are playing at home. Uh- Oh, is he oh, there? Wait, is he there? Wait, is he signs of life? Is life? No, we can't hear oh, him. Hello. I think we've lost him. I think we've lost Just you, Jack. Give him a second. I think I think somebody is downloading a movie on his router. Well, basically, yeah. His wife is probably downloading twenty seven dresses and making him watch it later. Ah, this and this is like the question I was actually really dying. One of two questions. I, was I dying. know, but yeah. we've definitely. I think we've yeah. definitely kind of exceeded the time that we said to Jack that would be on, and we do have a bit of news to get through as well. So when he comes back. I think we will politely say our thank yous. Uh, let's let's, let's try hanging up on him and then getting him back on. All right, let's do that. And in the meantime, um, boy, is the chat room an active place right now. And they are and they are big fans of Mr. Nichols. I think he was really onto something, though, uh, about the unpredictability. And, and people bash Formula One a lot. But the biggest problem they face is that we don't see these unpredictable battles at the top, these last-minute come-from-behind things, and the occasional winner from someone who's not Ferrari, Mercedes, or Red Bull. I mean, that that really, to me, is the big problem that, that Liberty are going to struggle with, because if you want people to tune in and watch, you do have to provide them with that sort of narrative emotional hook, that you have to believe that, uh, at least more than one of two people could possibly win on any given Sunday. And right now, 
that's not the case. And it's more a fault of the technical regulations than it is any other thing. And and I guess we'll see what Braun has to say about it. But uh, I got my fingers crossed that, that, that we get back to a little more unpredictability at the top of the field. Hang on two seconds. Well, I mean, shed burning down, house burning down, all, <laughs> all, all the electric's gone. I mean, he's lost all of his Wi-Fi. This is a horrible thing. Okay, Jack, I'm sending you a WhatsApp message. So I'd just like to say to you, thank you very much for joining us on Missed Apex podcast. Also, look out in the summer where we are having a Missed Apex karting event. And as part of that karting event, we're going to have some other Formula One podcasts come and join us. So unless checkered flag and your new one with John Watson want to be considered uh, cowardly for avoiding this legitimate F1 podcast karting challenge, I think you're going to need a legitimate excuse uh, to get out of it, or we'll have to see you there at Milton Keynes sometime in the summer. Uh, and oh, then You should probably mention to him that if he's coming to New York for Formula E, I will happily tell him where he can go buy the best beer in the city. Yeah, there you go. So he's just listening to that. And then uh, tell you what we'll do then is we will get Chris Stevens on. Am I wrong? Does it feel like a letdown after Jack? Yeah, no, it definitely does. Yeah, I know. It's it's, going to kind of kill the mood, but oh well. What up? I'm here to rescue this train wreck of a podcast. It's not a a train wreck. It was an interview with Jack Nichols and we lost Jack Nichols. (laughs) So obviously. Until about five minutes ago. Yeah, but what can we possibly do to... We can't do anything about that. That's not us. Oh, and Jack Nichols is recording audio. So what we'll do is we'll hear the audio from Jack Nichols. And then what we'll do is we will um, carry on with the news that Chris will lead us through. If we've got about 20, 25 minutes of news, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, tell you what, you guys are not going to be able to hear this. But for the sake of the podcast, I'm going to play it via the um, via my WhatsApp web. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. I, I um, it was fun, and uh, yeah. If people want to tweet me their questions, then they can. If I didn't answer them, if they're really interested, but obviously if they were just being polite, then that's fine as well. Uh, I look forward to the karting. Let me know when it is when you have a date. And um, does does bringing an XF one driver count as cheating? Probably, but uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, let me know when and see what happens and i'll come up with my legitimate excuse uh, thanks for having me on and i'll i'll see you soon well there you have it jack nichols responds to our karting challenge by saying is it cheating to have an ex formula one driver on his team i'm gonna say yes however like in the avengers when they say oh you know we have gods on our side, you know, and they say we have the Hulk. We have a Philpot on our team. And we actually also have a Van Jean who's pretty handy himself. Uh, Chris Stevens won't make the cut, but he might be there in an independent team. You can go I on the will, downforce team. I will say right now, I'll put my money on Philpot. Philpot versus Palmer. I think that would be a, yep. a very, very interesting shout. I mean, we know Bradley Philpot's done well against Formula One drivers in other types of driving challenge. Uh, yeah, I think it would be interesting to see. Obviously, karting's a different thing. I don't think Jolian Palmer has been a, an out-and-out carter. I think he went straight to cars, if I recall. So that might give Bradley the edge in the cars. 
Indeed. And and the chat room is already commenting on their disappointment that your shelves look more or less as messy as they did <laughs> last time. Oh, gosh. That's because I haven't touched them. So we are joined by Chris Rainbow Sparkle Stevens, who's going to give us some news, buddy. Big Dirty News. Chris Stevens, autosport journalist. Lay on us the F1 news this week. So I think the biggest thing uh, has, has got to be Liberty's suggestion of the addition of a sprint race uh, for the for the near future. Uh, and it's it's divided opinion and uh, much in the same way as uh, Jack was alluding to earlier in the show. It, it, it's been met with a lot of criticism. And um, I have to say, I uh, have not quite decided on which side of the fence I sit on. But uh, before we get into that, I'll just explain the kind of basic principle, um, because I think the original idea was that you have a sprint race, the grid of which was decided by the championship order, and it would be in reverse championship order. But the idea of reverse grid racing, it's met with a lot of criticism in F2. It's not very well liked in other series like World Superbike. So I think they kind of sort of drifted away from that and kind of met with the idea that you have your normal qualifying that sets the grid for the sprint race. And then the result of the sprint race determines the grid of the the main race so i just gotta ask spanners is this how you feel when i talk about tires oh yeah it's it's yeah it's like it's like this crushing head thing like i feel Ah, my brain's melting away i don't like the idea of the sprint race but i also do i like the idea of some kind of mini race chris but i just can't think of the logistics or the point or the logic of it Sorry, how do how do we decide who starts where in the sprint race? FP three would turn into qualifying for the sprint race. <laughs> okay, well, well why don't we turn that into a little mini sprint race, a slightly shorter sprint race to decide the the next sprint race? And then qualifying would be the actual sprint race that would decide the order for the Grand Prix on Sunday. And what I like about what I've heard about this, detail wise, is that the teams will have free tire choice. And they'll be free in terms of how much fuel they want to run on the cars. Um, Because obviously the race won't be a full Grand Prix distance. You won't need to necessarily load the car up on 105 kilos of fuel, which means you're going to start out with lighter, faster cars. And you can go for an efficiency strategy, no pit stop, light on fuel, or you could go for a burn down the walls and uh, strategy and use as much fuel as you'd like to in half the period of time. Again, like oh, that's all that's all great, but I have to come back to Spanner's point as to you know what is the actual point of this. Uh, and I I, I kind of get it. Like they're, they're trying to add a certain <laughs> element of excitement that is currently missing from the series. But I feel like it's a it's it's a kind of long winded solution to what is you know what it one of formula one's biggest issues that we already have a sort of solution in the works in the form of the 2021 regulations where supposedly the design you know the design of the car is being reworked so that it's easier for cars to race and hopefully the the cars will be closer together now matt you're pulling a face what, what year is it chris yeah no i get this i what get year is, is it 2018 how many years do we see you these new see, regulations? You see two years of this interim, frankly, 
gimmicky stuff. It is not gimmicky. It is bringing back to racing the one thing that our very esteemed guest, Jack Nichols, said was missing, which is the unpredictability. Okay. If you have a sprint race and Sebastian Vettel takes Lewis Hamilton out at the first corner, suddenly you've got a Haas starting on the front row of the grid. That will never happen with the current qualifying format. Not once, not ever. Right because how late fast. So right away, you're a winner. But I'm going to go back to something else that Jack said, and I'm even going to imitate his highly emotional, I'm losing my mind with rage kind of style. It which was is so good. Maybe, just maybe this mascot is not for you. And I'm going to say that in wow. fact, they are very much looking at the people who go to the races and they're trying to increase the value of attendance on a Saturday if you have a sprint race. And I know the support racing is great. And I love the F2, formerly GP2 races and everything else, the Porsche Super Cup. It's all incredible. But the fact of the matter is they're trying to increase value for ticket holders, which also increases value for the venues that they book. And, and this enhances the overall visibility and, and fan likability of Formula One. So, yeah, maybe this mascot isn't for you. And that, that's fair enough. But I, will I, give you, I will give you the tr I will give you the the attendance thing. I will definitely give you that because that was one of my one of my first kind of thoughts about it was that's great. Like people who go on a Saturday uh, are gonna have like you know a proper Formula One race that they'll get to watch, and that's exactly. that's exactly. You know, fantastic. Exactly, but, and 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 but but again, you know, and Braun has said they are looking at things they can change between now and 2021 to sort of help improve the overall racing to keep it from being as stratified as it currently is and this is something that that could pay dividends almost immediately now the question i have and i think the question everybody has is how is that going to work with our current three engine regulations because mm. boy you know i mean we saw williams pretty much restricting lance from even racing on sunday because they goofed up their calculations on on free practice too so Since, have you heard anything about this this is where i, I kind of uh, disagree with this um solution because we we came up with a rule it created a problem and instead of you know reversing the rule we're trying to come up with a solution that that drastically changes everything else because because we got this this one little thing wrong. Yeah, but I mean, the question is, if they're going to do the sprint race idea, have we heard anything about changing the the regulations to account to give them an extra engine or not? I've not heard anything. That was my I, again another one of my first uh, you know thoughts. Are they going to have a separate engine allocation for these uh, for these sprint races? And or that do they have makes an absolute mockery. Of the whole saving engines thing, if well, they do that. Well, and, and think about this. If they do have a separate one, that means you've got to change the engine in the car between your Saturday and your Sunday. I'm sure the mechanics are all going to love that idea, having to swap two engines yeah, every single they, weekend. They would, be allocated, they would be allocated an extra engine or an extra two engines, and then they would just go into the rotation with all the rest. They wouldn't necessarily have a special sprint race-only engine. You've got to do a double the races you've got to do double the number of races you're going to have to do more yeah, than but, but, double uh, the number of engines you have 
Oh man, I, I I don't I I need to talk with your math teacher, young man, because oh my goodness, they're they're going to be doing half the distance in each of the sprints. All right, all right, I'm going to call. No, no, I'm going to no 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 no, 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 I'm going to call time here and turn you guys down because actually, you two have been arguing an awful lot lately, and as fun as it is watching Chris with him muted on my desk yelling into his mic, I'm just going to drag this down a little bit. And the passion that you two are arguing with this about, I think, really does highlight the major problem with the proposal, which is it is so far away from the core of what we've understood to be a Formula One race weekend. We have our practices on a Friday. We have our practices on a Saturday. Then we all settle down for qualifying. And it's an event as much as any other event within Formula One and that weekend. Sitting down to watch the qualifying is a thing before the race. So what you're talking about is taking away something substantial from our F1 experience. Now, Chris, Matt, do you think you can talk one at a time? I'm going to turn you back up now. Sparkles? Okay. So, okay, I'm I'm annoyed you muted me because I made a a good point because... It's not it's not like you're doing two half distance races. You're still doing a full Grand Prix distance plus a sprint race. So, you know, there, there's that. There is going to be more mileage. But I like I, I, I get the thing in, in sort of in principle, it, it, it adds some stuff. Like, I, I know that, that Ross said he was, you know, offended by Sergio Marchionne's comments of it, it that it um, goes against the DNA of, of Formula One. But I kind of agree with Sergio on on this one. Uh, it's patently absurd. First of all, if you're having a sprint race, the sprint race is half the distance of a Grand Prix. No, yeah, so, plus uh, the Grand Prix. Yeah, so if you give an extra two engines and you're running only half the race distance of the three engines that are already covering the 21 races, I think you're more than covered at that point, at least in terms of how long they want the engines to last. But what is the point of this? I'll I'll write it out on a sheet of paper for you later. But I have to disagree with Mark Yoner's comment about the DNA of Formula One. And no, we don't lose qualifying. Qualifying will simply be earlier in the day. You'll, you'll see the same qualifying in the same format. And I will, I will just go one further. I mean, every now and then we get a lap like Lewis's that we saw in Australia. But honestly, I've been covering qualifying for a long time. The format is very mature and we don't really get a lot of the surprises that we used to see. And this is, will be an interesting way to um, to add to the show without losing anything that we already have, I think. All you need to do is go back, like rewind the clock five years when the qualifying format was exactly the same. We didn't have a sprint race and the racing was fantastic. Why was it then? Why isn't it now? That's what you need to be looking at. Great discussion, guys. Honestly, I'm not upset with you in any way at all. Let's yeah, move on fine. to the next news item because I am fascinated by Haas jumping up. What we've been waiting for for ages is a team to come into Formula One and actually from scratch, if you like, do well. The three teams that joined at the back of the grid a few years back, all of them have gone by the wayside now. Chris, it looks like Haas have found a way to do it and it's being treated like a crime. It's not a crime. They're doing, they're doing something brilliant. They're doing something common sense that we have been asking for on this podcast for a long time which is why can't a team come in get parts that are sold from another team after all 
they don't build their own engines. They get their engines from another team. So why not other parts of it? Why can't you come in with a, a sensible budget without having to employ a whole new replica amount of staff? Come in, be competitive. Why can't we have 26, 30 cars on the grid all following this new Haas model? No, oh, exactly. I wrote a piece on Formula Spy about this. Never very read you. Topic. Never read your work. No, I, I don't imagine you do in the same way that I don't listen to any of your other shows. Uh, but the thing is, like, you know, Haas do to a greater extent what every other customer team does in sourcing parts from, uh, you know, your manufacturer. Uh, in the same way that you know, Mercedes customers tend to run a Mercedes. A gearbox as well and i'm sure they get other ideas from the team and, and to other teams copy you know their their ideas um you know as as well there's nothing new i my question is why aren't all the other independent teams doing what Haas do and setting themselves up to be more successful now there is a, a slight caveat in Haas's thing in the moment which is that pretty much every other midfield team has got a little asterisk next to their performance because they've all got some sort of issue at the moment you know force india haven't have only just put their 2018 car together williams are lost to the doldrums sauber have you know been on the back burner for the last couple of years only just working their way up renault and mclaren are on long-term development plans so you know haas has got to come in and fill the gap that's not to take anything away from them because they've still put together an amazing car that on the right track in the right day can stick it to one of the top three teams good so matt you've got to be happy that it's your home team i mean you were cheering on Haas from the beginning i mean surely are you by are you jaded by your support of them or would you have supported this approach in any case well i think it was inevitable given the regulation changes that were made in the listed parts and I believe those changes were made specifically to enable Haas to enter and for Ferrari to give them the assistance that they received when they first came into the sport. And then the FIA said, well, no, you, you're limited to this. And I, I believe they have really pretty much played by the rules. They haven't done anything really that any other team hasn't engaged in, which is looking at the successful teams and figuring out which ideas they can catch from them. And the fact of the matter is, is that now with a couple of years under their belt, their business model is maturing. And the fact of the matter is, is it's more efficient and competitive. If you want to talk about why Williams is where it is, it's because Williams still builds its own gearbox. They really shouldn't. It's a waste of money and resources. However, traditionally they've done it and they're loath to change their corporate structure. And you could go down the grid. I think probably the only team that's close to them in terms of efficiency would be Force India. And there, and this is interesting, Chris, and you, you probably may have a comment on this as well. There, they were pretty much done in by the how dominant they were last year because it cost them a shed load of money to enter this year's racing. And I firmly believe that's primarily why they are starting off with the very slow spend of money and will be increasing it as last year's price money rolls into their coffers. Yeah, no, absolutely. That is a, a huge factor in this year's struggles. But I also um, fear um, that the introduction of the Halo uh, had something to do with it as well. Um, because as far as I can tell, they had this kind of long-term chassis development plan. And um, sticking a Halo on top of it really screwed up that plan. Uh, and so they basically had to go back to the drawing boards as soon as it was announced for the 2018 regulations. Ah. Now then, Matt, 
here's a good segue that a better presenter would have taken advantage of because you want to talk about some sort of far off future regulations and and it's you and the chat uh, the whatsapp chat are always going on about oh man look at the regulations for 2035 they're going to have uh, wings and they're going to fly upside down and go underground i'm like oh who cares why should i care about some regulations that are going to be in 3 years time when i'm presumably going to be the top presenter on sky tv f1 anyway and not sitting here in a shed talking to an American and a prepubescent teenager. Why should I care about the 2021 regulations as a fan watching in 2018? I'm in my 20s. <laughs> okay, well, that I will put off for the moment answering Nick's question about why. I'm putting it off about why Force India was penalized by doing so well. And I will directly answer your question, which is to put you in the Wayback Machine and, and send you back to 2014. And in 2013, we had racing. It was Red Bull. There's potentially there was close. We had McLaren during the V8 era. We had we wound up with close racing at the end of the regulatory period. And then we had our new regulations. And what happened? What happened when those new regulations came in, Spanners? Oh, that's right. Mercedes won pretty much everything always. And and they have done so to a degree of dominance that even Red Bull failed to achieve despite my faulty memory. I mean, I liked it. It seemed that way when you watch them on TV. But the fact of the matter is Mercedes has crushed it because this is a regulation dominated by the power units. And that's all set to change in 2021. And that's going to shake up the established order. And how it does so could potentially see big name manufacturers either coming into or departing the sport entirely. So ask yourself, what would Formula One look like without a Mercedes, without a Ferrari running a team? And potentially the 2020, 20, 2021 regulations could make that happen. So, yeah, that might be why you might want to care a little bit. I would uh, go one step further, Matt, and say that Mercedes haven't just dominated beyond a Red Bull level, beyond any McLaren level, potentially beyond any Ferrari level, Lotus level. You know, if you look at the statistics, there is an argument for them being the most dominant team in Formula One. And... Uh, we keep we keep criticizing the sport because it's it's not competitive enough it's too predictable and uh, it's not uh, exciting enough the cars are too far about and they can't race each other and these are all things that are being addressed in 2021 you know everything that you dislike about the sport now is being addressed to be introduced in three years time so yeah that's this is why you should think about it. hey do you know what i think about in the week when there's no formula one on I think about there being Formula One on, and there is. This weekend, the Formula One circus goes to Bahrain, a track I actually really like. And you can't help but get excited about Bahrain ever since Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton were dicing so hard uh, back when Rosberg was in at Mercedes. Uh, that absolutely almost perfect race where they were on different tyre strategies, the Mercedes team had seemed to try to keep them apart by putting them on those different strategies so they'd be apart for most of the race. And then they came back together just at the right time. Rosberg showed he had the absolute pace to challenge what some people think is the best Formula One champion in history. Certainly one of the greatest drivers of our generation. Sorry, Lewis haters. But he is at least up there, isn't he? Rosberg showed he had the pace to do it. But Lewis Hamilton showed why he's got the ruthlessness to be a four-time 
world champion. And Bahrain will always have a, a bit of a special place in our hearts now, Chris. And and that, thinking about that little fight, is getting my heart pumping for this weekend's race. And it's one of the greatest races I've, I've ever seen, that one. And, you know, it's not just that. They, Bahrain has had uh, some some fantastic moments in what is, uh, you know, a, a relatively short um, period of time with, with Formula One. You know, it's been going for, what, 12, 13 uh, years now. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's a staple hold in the calendar now, and I hope it sticks around for a really long time. Trumpets, this will be you at the helm as well for the Missed Apex podcast review. This is a track that gets you going, yes? Yes, it is. And that race, uh, along with the one that happened in Spain, were really the only examples we had of the all-out kind of battles that could have been without the extreme resource hoarding and essentially team orders that, quote-unquote, aren't team orders from Mercedes. And we had flat out both sides of the garage going at it tooth and nail. And, oh, oh, what a joy it would have been to have seen them just let that continue as is. Chris, do we have any wild predictions for the Bahrain Grand Prix? I think in my head, I think Mercedes are looking to run away with it. And what we're going to see, the interesting thing we're going to see from this race is not who wins, but I think we're going to see maybe a bit more field spread. I think cars that are able to overtake, that are faster, will be able to overtake. So we should see where Bottas and Hamilton are together. And that is going to be an important plot point for later in the season. Yeah, absolutely. We go from uh, in Australia, what is the second worst track for overtaking to in Bahrain, the best track for overtaking we see uh, all season. So if these cars can race, this is the circuit to be doing it on. I I don't know about wild predictions for the front, um, but I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye on uh, the pace of Ferrari and Red Bull against um, Mercedes. Of course, we didn't see what Red Bull's race pace truly was in uh, in australia um although you'd you'd say that australia would be a stronger circuit for them because bahrain is a it's very much power circuit you know there's four high speed stretches there so mm-hmm. they'll be trimming the wings out on that red bull to try and match their their top speed uh, matt i think ferrari's only chance of staying ahead of red bull is they seem to have something in qualifying but i think it will be a case of ferrari qualifying ahead of the red bulls and then the red bulls trying their hardest to get past with better race pace. Yeah, well, and it's going to be down to what is overtaking really like on, on a proper dedicated circuit. And it'll be a different thing as well for the following because the races run at night. So the cooling requirements will be different. And the teams will have learned a lot from what happened to them in Australia with regards to that. So it could be that the extreme amount of time needed to pass in Australia comes more back down into that one and a quarter, one and a half second that we've seen in the past. I'd also be very keen to see how Sebastian Vettel gets on uh, with the Ferrari's handling. I mean, we know he was struggling with the balance of the car in uh, Australia a lot because of some updates that had some uh, unwanted uh, effects and they had to make changes to the car to kind of work on that. And oddly enough, it's actually worked out very strongly in Kimi Raikkonen's favor. It's got a very strong front end on that ferrari now which he loves well and to be specific the problem is uh unexpected snap oversteer in 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 the corners and kimmy approaches the corners in a way that it generally is not a problem for him 
Vettel approaches a corner very much in a way that it's a problem for him and it's keeping him from driving the car to its limits right now. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they've been able to solve that problem between Australia and Bahrain. Well, they have two completely different driving styles, don't they? Kimi loves a planted front end, whereas Seb tends to steer the car through the rear. So you've got two completely different dynamics there trying to work out on uh, the same car. So yeah, but, it's always going to be a compromise. But it's also down to entry speeds and, and yeah. how they approach entering the corner. And it tends to create more of a problem for Vettel, the way he likes to carry momentum through a corner, than it does for Raikkonen. It's not just about the front end being more stable, although that is something that has always been a characteristic of him having good drives, is that stable front end. Well, this is better, isn't it? You two bouncing off each other in a friendly, polite manner. Stick around for the post-show. See what Spanners has to say. Oh, I'm sure there'll be some loud noises. Daddy yelling at us. Um, the uh, the midfield looks quite interesting as well, doesn't it? And there's going to be there's a plethora of upgrades uh, as well. McLaren have got an upgrade that was supposed to be in Australia, but all their testing troubles meant it had to be delayed. Pretty sure Renault have got some upgrades as well. Force India got a new front wing as well. So. You know, there's a that that's that's already the development of that midfield is is, is churning forward. Now you've used the word plethora, and I, I'm hoping that you know what the word plethora means, because I, I, would, I would I would hate to think that you would say to me that I have a plethora of something, but you wouldn't know what the word plethora actually meant. But we have run out of time. It's a reference to a movie that you're too young to understand, Chris Stevens. You Is were it probably really? What minus a shock. Two. Look, you know what? Do you know why else you should be thinking about 2021? A certain birthday will come up for you. Oh, a certain birthday oh. will come up for you. Actually, it's the year before that that I will turn 40. Look, oh, enough it. of that. <laughs> we're wrapping up now. Follow me at Spanners Ready. Follow the show at Missed Apex F1. Also, go to MissedApexPodcast.com forward slash buy stuff to buy the mugs that we have and subscribe to us on your podcast of choice by searching Missed Apex Podcast. We now show up when you type in Formula One into all of those things. Matt Trumpets, where can people find you and what should they buy? At Matt PT55 on the Twitters. Come yell at me and tell me I'm wrong. Everybody else already does. And yes, please do go out and buy your significant other, my wife's latest and greatest. Uh, something about a Lady Grantham novel. I don't know. It's on Amazon. Just go look it up. It's the latest thing and buy it to keep them occupied while all of the sports are on your telly. Chris Stevens, where can people find you? Hey, find me on Twitter at cstevens underscore journo. I've got a busy month. I'm going to be doing Rome and Paris E-Prix. And in between them, I'm going to be at Brands Hatch for the 750 Motor Club meeting. Until the Bahrain Grand Prix hosted by Matt Trumpets, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. They're not podcasters, they're very naughty boys. Hang around for the post show. Oh, Steve, video editor Steve, you're going to have to save us quite a bit on that one. What happened to me at the end? I couldn't remember our Twitter handle, whether it had podcast in it. Missed Apex Pod... Steve, edit that out. Make me look like a genius. A rising tide raises all ships. If I look good, the show looks good. That is the reason why you should all... (laughs) 
come around me and uh what was the movie reference the three or me the three or me goes okay fine you have a plethora of foreheads a plethora a plethora i would hate to think that you would say i had a plethora of something and you would not know what this word means cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.